Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ordinary Hero podcast. Today is an interview from the High School Life podcast. Um, this one was an interview of a guy that my dad was business partners with before COVID. Um, his name's Samuel. He lives in Shanghai, China, and he's a really cool guy. I really like Samuel. Um, so in this, we just interview him, kind of get a feel of what life's like back in China. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, it's pretty. It was, a, it was definitely a fun one to do, and I appreciate Samuel for hopping on. So if you want to see more interviews like this, you can check out the High School Life, and I, I will see you later. Friends. Samuel. Samuel from. Uh, so he's he's born in Singapore. Lived Singapore. most most of his life there until about until about college, and then he went to college, and then right after college in Singapore, you every boy has. Uh, at the age of 18, has to go into the army for two years. Mm-hmm. So he went into the army for a couple of years, which he'll talk about that. Um, and he moved to Shanghai, China. Uh, it's a city. He's from Singapore. Lives in China, Shanghai, China. Um, he'll refer in this episode. He'll probably refer to this pro- when he says the programs or program. It's referring to this company that he's affiliated with. And it's called Summerhill, uh, shoot, now I can't remember. Summerhill, and it's like exploring for kids or something like that. Explore the world. Um, and pretty much they take uh, eight to 14 year old kids from China in groups of like 30, and they take them around the world to see stuff and try things. So um, they have a couple in New Zealand um, where they like fish and stuff. And they have one in England where they go to Harry Potter World. The one that we've interviewed the Chinese kids from that we've on this podcast is the one that they did with my dad. And that was um, the Land Before Time uh, program, which they dug for dinosaurs. And so in this episode, he'll talk about that program. And that's just pretty much just like a a huge field trip, a long field trip with a bunch of kids for about two weeks. And they just see the world um, and... So we started off by ta- asking him about what how life was, was like in Singapore. So, yeah, so here's Samuel. How life was like growing in Singapore. Is that, it was actually pretty simple. Uh, for me, Singapore is an island. So I was always near the seaside. I could always go down to the beach, do a bit of fishing. Uh, yeah, just that's what I liked doing was digging for stuff. Uh yeah, which, which was what brought me all the way to the States to dig for fossils uh, with your dad. So, yeah, that was one of my hobbies when I was younger. Uh, also, Singapore, I got to say, we have a very, very good education system. Uh, I'm very thankful for that system because uh, it got me to where I am today. And uh, I have two younger sisters, uh, kind of like you as well. Uh, but yeah, I did spend a lot of time uh, pulling pranks on my sisters. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, growing up in Singapore, uh, I miss it, man. It's it's simple. It's a very green country. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I haven't been home for about, I think, nearly two years now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, can you tell us about what your parents did for as a living when you were growing up? Uh, uh, so my mom was a banker. Uh, she worked for Deutsche Bank. Uh, my dad, my dad had his own business. He was a publisher, and 
he specialized uh, in printing textbooks uh, for schools, primary and secondary schools in Singapore. Uh, yeah, but when I was growing up, they, they were very busy people, and my mom was kind of the head of the house. Yeah. Wow. Um, what were your hobbies when you were a young boy? You mentioned finding stuff and fishing. Um, did you ever play any sports, or what were things you liked to do if you had any friends to do? Oh, uh, with friends. So when I was, uh, it actually changed and evolved as I got older. So uh, when I was in uh, primary school, uh, one of it was going down to the beach uh, to dig, as well as riding bicycles, uh, just with the neighborhood kids. And then when it went to secondary school, uh, it was basketball and softball. Uh, those were the things that I played a lot of. And that was in school. Uh, doing my own free time, uh, I was a bit of a nerd. I like I like reading, uh, love Star Wars, and what was that? Uh, playing computer games. Oh, yeah. And then when I do uh, polytechnique, uh, it was rugby. And I played uh, rugby throughout my university days before I entered the army. So yeah, those were kind of my hobbies growing up. It, it changed from time to time. And like now, uh, at the age of 30, uh, I'm back to uh, playing with computer games and collecting models as well. Cool. Yeah. So um, you mentioned university. What did you study in college? So I majored in biomedical engineering. Uh by right, I was supposed to go work in a hospital. That means based on what I learned, I had to go to the, I had to work in a hospital or pharmaceutical company, but I kind of gave that up. Uh, it was a good thing to study. Uh, it was pretty, it was gaining traction at that time, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you went to the army. Um, what were you assigned to in the army? Uh, so after the basic, uh, military training, uh, I was actually assigned to kind of a secret area actually, but, uh, I was a weapons, uh, specialist. Uh, basically I, I understood, uh, many, many different, most of the small arms, uh, that, uh, my army uses. And I was kind of assigned to, uh, distributing, as well as uh, safety checks for weaponry systems using my unit. Yeah, uh, I really can't say too much about that. It's, it's a really sensitive uh, <laughs> topic, yeah. <laughs> um, so why did you move to China? Well, there were, uh, well, there were so many reasons, man. Um, uh, firstly, I love my country, but my country is really, really small. I mean, you could, travel from east to west in about uh, 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, that was one of the main things. It's, it's small. Uh, things got kind of mundane. And on top of that, uh, my career, uh, I wanted to pursue a career in uh, outdoor cam education. Uh, in my country, it was, it's, it's very, it's, it's a huge market, meaning all kids have to actually do it. But it hasn't changed much over uh, the last 10 to 15 years within my own country. Uh, why I came to China, firstly, I saw an opportunity uh, as this industry was just 
has just started here in China. So there was a lot of room to grow. And, and the thing about the Chinese market, uh, this is mainly business, of course, uh, is in China, as long as you want to do something uh, and you try and you work hard for it, uh, it, it tends to work out. If that's the part about having an emergent market here in China. It's, it's just huge. Or I think 1.4 billion people. Yeah, tons of kids. So yeah, one of the main reasons for me to choose to come here would be the business opportunities uh, within the industry. And I like the freedom that I have to design and plan different programs and curriculum because it's, it's not... It's not so fixed yet. It's it's not like my country where everything they tell you for a three-day, two-night program or five-day, four-night program, you do a set of certain things. And that, 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 that does not change. That cannot change and you cannot deviate from it. And you cannot get creative. Uh, but yeah, it's not the case in China. It's 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 really, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome, man. I've, I've done so many things here that I, I do not think uh, I could do in my own country. Of course, resources are, a huge issue as well. Like here in China, I've worked, uh, I've, I've, I've created that dinosaur program with your dad. Uh, on top of that, I'm currently working on a space program here in China. And uh, they're actually opening up the uh, resources uh, for us to actually use to educate and teach a whole new generation of kids about space travel, etc. So yeah, if you ask me to sum it up in one word, uh, possibilities in China, that's, that's what I would say. Um, it's just endless, the possibilities and the chances that you actually have in China. Yeah. Um, can you explain to us uh, what you do for a living now in China? Oh, um, so, uh, well, it's kind of a long story. Uh, when I first got to China, uh, it was just the company I was in, Summerhill, it was just a startup. Uh, we had like, plus me, we had eight people in the company it was it was really really small uh and then now we've actually grown into a company that has over uh 60 full-time staff and we have about nearly 2,000 part-time staff so the company has actually grown a lot over the last few years and my role in the company has kind of switched uh here and there uh, because what i specialize in in my company we call zero to one that means uh, I'm in charge of uh, starting new things within the company, be it programs, uh, departments. Uh, I fix issues. I fix problems. Uh, I wouldn't. I my for me a title doesn't mean anything. Uh, I'm a I'm a shareholder in Summerhill, uh, and yeah, basically my job scope changes uh, according to what the company needs and what kind of problems uh we are facing as we are expanding yeah so do you all so with all the traveling that you do with your company do you enjoy you do you enjoy all that like all the traveling to places around the world <laughs> well i i have to admit uh when i was younger uh, a couple of years back i enjoyed it uh, a lot there are not a lot of jobs out there that allow you to travel to different places and actually do the things you like to do, uh, be it digging for fossils or going to Harry Potter world and stuff like that. It's, it's, it was really fun. Uh, but yeah, as I'm getting older and I have family commitments, uh, yeah, traveling gets 
harder for me. Yeah, like I'm supposed to get married soon. And if I travel too much again, then I'm going to hear a lot from the missus. Um, yeah, so I think, yes, in the past, a little bit uh, in the future, uh, we'll probably cut back a little on it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting married. That's, that's exciting. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Oh, let's see. Uh, I met her in 2016. Um, yeah, we've been together for about, what, uh, five years now? Nearly five years now, coming to five years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Sweet. But at the time, I was 30. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned a little bit that Singapore is a smaller, a lot, of course, a lot smaller than China and specifically yeah. uh, Shanghai. But um, how is like everyday life different between Singapore and Shanghai? Okay. So one of the uh, most obvious things uh, is uh, the Chinese drive on Okay. <laughs> okay, you guys drive on the wrong side as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're supposed to be driving on the right side. You guys drive left. That's, that's the wrong side. That's the first uh, most obvious thing. Uh, secondly, the food. Um, the, the thing that really pops out straight in the face is the food. In, in China, the, the food is, is, is just insane. There's like so many different cultures and so many backgrounds here in china so you get a really huge influence of food everything that you can anything that you can imagine um shanghai is like a food hub here you can get nearly every cuisine imaginable indian um well they call it american food but i'm not quite sure what american food is american food to me is like uh western food and then we have the Italians and then we have Spanish food and stuff. So, yeah, uh, food is one of the main things. But what I love most about Shanghai is uh, the convenience. Uh, they've got a very, very good uh, transportation system. That, that infrastructure is, is just amazing. Uh, you could get from you can get to anywhere. Shanghai is huge. It's I, I heard it's like uh, 10 times the size of Singapore. But I could travel to the other end of Shanghai within an hour and a half. So that just makes it super, super convenient. And one other thing that I think they've done very well is the communities that they're, they're building. Like um, most people in Shanghai, they stay in high-rise apartments because land here is just super expensive. And yeah, so what they've done is they've, they've just made everyday life super convenient. Like... Um, just downstairs, uh, the moment I go down and I take a ride, I have everything. I have a Walmart. Uh, I have a cinema. I have an arcade. I have a ton of shops to go shopping for. So, yeah, I just like how things are very, very convenient here. And, oh, the e-bikes. Yeah, that's, that's something that I think it's very unique uh, to China, especially. Um, so everywhere in China, wherever you go, there are these uh, uh, things they call, uh, what's that? It's an electronic bike that nearly everybody has. It gets you from point A to point B really, really quickly, and it runs on electricity. So, yeah, it's, it's environmentally friendly and very, very quick. 
Yeah, it's one of the things I actually like playing around here. I actually built my own uh, e-bikes here. So, yeah. So, life here is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so, someday do you want to go back to Singapore, or do you think you'll always be in China? Um, to be honest, uh, education-wise, I, I would prefer if my kid uh, had an education back in Singapore. So... My, my plan is to be in China till I'm about 35, 36. And then, yeah, I would probably move back home or when my, when my child comes, whichever comes first. Because in China, the education system is uh, it's a little bit backdated. Uh, they are still on a system that um, kind of, what's the word? I wouldn't use the word judge, but the system here just works in such a way where it is based too much academically, scores and points. There's, there's just not enough being done for a more holistic or well-rounded education here in China. And I don't want my child or my kid to have that kind of pressure from the get-go. Yeah, I want them to, to spend more time uh, finding their own interests, uh, learning what they like, finding more about themselves. Yeah, because for me, education isn't just about that piece of paper. Um, it's supposed to encompass a lot more things about life, about how to be a decent person, how you treat others, etc. So, yeah, that, that's probably one of the reasons um, I would go back to Singapore, my child, and of course, home. Uh, no matter where you go, home, you will know where home is. So, yeah, I, I, I have to go back somewhere. Um, what do you like to do for your hobbies now as an adult? Uh, wow, that's a, that's a good question. So uh, there are a lot of things I, I enjoy doing during my free time. Uh, some I cannot say on, on, on the camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that I can say is uh, I do a lot of uh, reading as well as uh, yeah, previously I, I, I said I collect models. Uh, I mean, not, not female models. I collect uh, Iron Man uh, and Star Wars stuff. So yeah, some of those are really, really difficult. Um, uh, one of the main reasons, so how, how I got started into this, um, it's actually because of the kids in my program. Yeah, the kids in my program. Um, I was... And all my travels with kids along the way. So one of them actually got me hooked on this. Uh, he gave me my very first uh, Iron Man toy. And yeah, I, I could not stop. That was about a year and a half ago. And I've been collecting it ever since. Nice. Um, do you plan on keeping those forever? Or do, you met, or do you plan on like handing them down to your kid or selling them? What's your plan with those Iron Man toys? Um, okay, so that's two parts to this uh for my own hobby and interest wise i i definitely want to hold on to them as as much and as long as i can uh hopefully get my kids interested in it but the thing about these toys is uh they appreciate in value very very quickly and uh, what i have there is worth about uh nearly three hundred thousand rmb yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, one day when the price is good and most of them are no longer in production, yeah, I, I might choose to sell if if it's 
the money's good. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so can you tell us about your whole collection of all your toys and like, which, what are your favorites and all of that stuff like that? Wow. Uh, so my favorite model uh, for all the Iron Man nerds out there is would be the Mark uh, 47 uh, that appeared in Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm not, I'm not quite sure if you guys have watched that movie, but yeah, that's my favorite uh, Iron Man suit of all time. Uh, I've basically collected every single uh, model that, uh, that has been produced by any of the toy makers. Uh, but yeah, I'm missing quite a couple because they haven't they haven't come out yet, and I'm hoping they will come out before my my life ends. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these toys, I, I don't really play with them. Uh, I just get them and I put them there. Uh, they're just meant to look good. Yeah, they're just meant to look good. I, I have an obsession with them because, um, so that whole shelf I have that was supposed to. Uh, mimic uh, Tony Stark's uh, Hall of Armors, where he keeps his his suits after he's created them. So yeah, my goal is to be able to collect all models and to actually show it off and hopefully one day when the value is right, yeah, sell it off. Nice. Wow. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your 16-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, um... One of it would be be very careful uh, of a rugby match I played when I was, that was what, 2009, 2009. Yeah, the first thing I would tell him, stay away from that match because you're going to get hurt really, really badly. Uh, the other one I would want to tell him is honestly, don't, don't give up on your dreams. Yeah. Don't give up on your dreams no matter what. Because recently I had someone actually spoke to me about this. Um, the, the whole COVID situation that's, uh, that's happening around the world, um, it's, a, it's a very sad and, and a very, yeah, it's, it's just a very sad and painful thing for a lot of people around the world. But it, it changed my way of life. Um, why I said that is because um, I'm... Overseas, me traveling uh, used to be a big part um, of what I do, being able to create programs to take kids on, um, be it uh, the UK, the States, uh, around Southeast Asia. We even have a program in Kenya where we do wildlife con conservation. Uh, we have uh, a whole winter sport theme going on in Finland. So we've got so many cool programs going on around the world, but the moment COVID uh, hit me, uh, it all it all came to a standstill. And, and because of that, I was just this close uh, to giving up on my dreams. Yeah, are you guys still there? Yeah, we're still here. Can you see us? Screen froze up for a bit. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I was saying, I was so close to giving up on what I was good at doing. And so if I could go back, uh, and tell my younger self when I was 16, do not, whatever you set out to do, um, nobody, no situation on earth uh, can stop you unless of course you're dead. But yeah, that's, that's what I would tell him because now I am waiting for this whole situation to blow over. 
uh, to begin my next phase of program design and to hopefully take Chinese kids uh, to whole new areas, locations, and to just, yes, use the, my motto is to explore the world through your own eyes. So yeah, that's what I set out to do. And I think I'm going to be doing that all the way till I, I stop. Yeah. How are the COVID-19 uh, restrictions in Shanghai right now? Uh, okay, so from, from a foreigner's point of, point of view, from my perspective, I honestly felt China handled this COVID situation better uh, than any country out there, even my own. Um, one of the few things is when COVID happened in China, the response was so quick. Um, it, it happened last year before Chinese New Year, and they just, the whole cities were shut off. Yeah, they, they shut down all the cities. They stopped it. And we were back. The whole of Shanghai was back in business within two and a half man, months. Schools were back in progress and stuff. So they handled it awesome. And now in Shanghai, uh, in fact, for the last, we had, of course, we had many outbreaks along the way. But for the most part, um, while it was very difficult for a lot of countries out there, China has maintained life as per normal like I, I didn't even feel um i was i was going through an outbreak for most of the time during my time here in china yeah i, I did not feel besides the travel restrictions yeah I, I did not feel i was going through a crisis or an outbreak it, it really was that safe uh and secure everybody had a part to play and that face mask uh it is it is just hugely hugely important uh, to keep this virus at bay. Yeah. Uh, how has, how did COVID-19 impact the business side? Well, uh, that, it, it hit us hard. Um, well, when, when COVID come, when COVID came, um, it, it basically put my business, uh, my company at a standstill. Uh, and we lost that there was just huge losses all around uh, because we could not go out due to the restrictions. Uh, both local and foreign policies uh, told us to stand down. So yeah, financially we we, we took a hit, but uh, we we only had one thing in mind. So my company's core value is uh, that's that's Chinese. It means uh, we're child centric. Everything we do. Uh, as for the kids, the, the design is from a child's perspective and stuff. So when this hit, the first thing we did was we refunded uh, uh, all our clients, uh, every single client who bought a winter program for us. Uh, yeah, we refunded them their money. Uh, even most of our partners, those that we could refund, we refunded. Um, but overall, just for that season, uh, that was what, 20... 2020 yeah 2020 the start of 2020 we lost uh yeah we we, we lost about what 10 10 20 million us dollars that was that was a lot because we we had the company still had to run and yeah we we actually made it through um that half year without any form of income uh all the management sacrificed their own salary so that we could maintain the company. Uh, our first option was to not have to let anybody go. Uh, so yeah, those were, those were hot six months, but yeah, things are looking better, better now. Um, local programs are selling better than they ever have 
Uh, I think we're looking at what 80% growth uh, over the last one year for local programs. So yeah, uh, business is, is actually coming back and it's getting better than it was before pre-COVID. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I have one more question and I think that will pretty much wrap up our interview. Um, but if you could say you've learned one great thing that improved your life, what would you say that either great saying or lesson, what was that lesson that improved your life? Uh, well, this, this lesson was taught me uh, by my dad. Uh, actually, two important things uh, they taught me. Uh, one thing was in order to make it, you have to look like uh, you already made it. That's what my dad told me. Uh, he said, first impressions uh, are very, very important uh, in no matter what aspect of your life, be it meeting a lady friend, uh, going for an interview and stuff. Yeah, so he always told me first impressions count from that handshake. Uh, the second thing uh, they, they taught me was this. In their time, Hard work meant everything. You could you could make money just to sure hard work. But in our generation, or at least starting from my generation, I was born in the 90s, um, you have to work smart. They told me that if you get a job that is what, from nine to five, and you work hard every day, you are not going to get anywhere. That's That is how modern society works. So because of their advice, um, that was one of the main reasons why when I saw the opportunity in China uh, to join a startup and to create business here, I took it. Yeah, because I, I, I agreed. It's working, working for the man might not, might not work anymore in our generation. Yeah. So those were the two things that my, my dad taught me that yeah i remember till today that's really yeah. interesting that was great well we appreciate you getting on this interview with us um no problem i'm happy to show people uh like kind of your background and how things are in china and i just really appreciate it and well ha once this covid goes down we'll have to come over there sometime yeah yeah, I heard about that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hosting all of you. Yeah. Even if your friend Carter comes, you can hang out at my place. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. Um, so, yeah, we really appreciate it. And thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, congratulations on getting engaged. Thank you, Louis. Thank you.